right, welcome to Reignite Church. I'm Pastor Marshall. For those of you who don't know, we're glad you're here. You're part of the family. I'll always reference you as family. Is that okay? All right. I'll always reference you as family. So we are in a vision series. Um, when we're vision casting, that's just for the house. So sometimes I'll give you something that's just uh, random for you, but specifically this series is for the house. It's for us to digest as a Reignite family, and it's, it's for us to consider the whole, uh, the whole time during this series. And so we are in a series called Disruptive Faith. Everybody say Disruptive Faith. I'm going to give you this again. I'm giving it to you every week. A.W. Tozer said Disruptive Faith is defined as expecting God to what? Interrupt our lives. Expecting God to interrupt our lives. That's what, dif- that's what, that's what disruptive faith is. It's expecting God to interrupt our lives. And how, how many of you have ever had God uh, come in and change the game for you? Come in and change the direction. I didn't pray for that. I didn't, I didn't expect that. But God worked it out and God stepped in and, and blessed me. Sometimes he, blessed, he comes in and he corrects you. But it still turns out to be a blessing. Um, so we are, we are in a six-week series. We're, we're in the last part of this. We have one more week to go called Disruptive Faith. And we're in Luke chapter 14 today. We're in Luke chapter 14 where, where we see Jesus walking along and he's got a large crowd following him. Large crowds didn't really impress Jesus. Large crowds impress us, right? But large crowds didn't impress Jesus. Matter of fact, in, in um, the Gospels, it tells us, I believe in uh, Matthew 6 and in John 6, verse 66, on the largest crowd, people turned away from Jesus because of what he was saying. Crowds don't impress Jesus. But this day in Luke 14, there was a large crowd following him. The problem with the text, Elmer, is that in the large crowd that was following, that's all they were considering doing. They wanted to come Ed, and hear what he had to say that day. And they wanted to come over here and they wanted to hear the miracle he had for them that day. But it was a large crowd. I want you to understand it was a large crowd, much like our crowd today. It was a large crowd that came to hear, came to see, came just to follow. That's the problem of the text. They were content with following and following only. So that's where we're going to sit today. We're going to sit in Luke 14, and we're going to get comfortable. Everybody do the little washing machine in your seat. Do the little washing machine. We're going to sit, we're going to sit here in Luke 14, and we're just going to get comfortable. We're not going all over the Bible. We're just going to stay right here in Luke 14. So family, please know that the longer you follow Jesus, expect God to interrupt your life. All right? Luke 14. <clears throat> Verse 25 through 33. We're reading from the message version. This is the first time I've done this. Go straight out of the message. I've looked at the NLT. I've looked at the ESV. I've looked at the NASB. But when it came down to the the message, when I'm looking and comparing the scriptures, the message just came out and made it as simple as I needed it. So we're in Eugene Peterson's uh, message translation today. Verse 25 says, One day when when large groups of people were walking along with him, Jesus turned and told them, why did you come? Well, he didn't say that. That that was my emphasis. But there was a large crowd walking with Jesus. 
And Jesus turned and told them, anyone who comes to me but refuses to let go, everybody say, let it go, let it go. And refuses to let go of father, mother, spouse, children, brother, sisters, ham, bants, fam. He said, he said, anyone who comes to me and refuses to let go of father, mother, spouse, brother, sister, and yes, even one own self can't be my disciple. Do, do you think he was impressed with the crowd? No, no. He, he, he was conveying truth. Verse 27. Anyone who won't shoulder his own cross and follow behind me, guess what? Can't be my disciple. And then next he goes into these parables. He's talk, he starts to talk about a king and a, a builder and a king. And, 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 and he goes into these parables, these stories for emphasis sake. And he says this in verse 28. Is there anyone here who planning to build a house? And no doubt there was uh, planning to build a new house that doesn't first sit down and figure the cost. So you'll know if you can complete it. If you only get the foundation laid, church and then run out of money, you're going to look pretty foolish. Everyone passing by will poke fun at you. He started something he couldn't finish. Or can you imagine, can you imagine Reignite family? Can you imagine a group of people? Can you imagine a, a, a king going into battle against another king without first deciding whether it is possible with his, his 10,000 troops to face the 20,000 troops of the other. If he, if he decides he can't, won't he send an emissary, a delegation, someone to represent him and work out a truce? Simply put, and here it is, simply put, if you're not willing, everybody say willing, don't forget the willing. If you're not willing to take what is dearest to you, whether plans or people, and kiss it goodbye, guess what? For the third time, he says, you can't be my disciple. I'm going to read that again. If you're not willing to take what is dearest to you, ooh, I know that touches on a nerve. Remember he talked about letting go? If you're not willing to take what is dearest to you, whether plans and people, and kiss it goodbye, you can't be my disciple. I want to speak to you this morning about disruptive plans. <clears throat> Excuse me, disruptive plans. But I want to use for a subtopic, because that's what I've been doing in this whole series. I want to use for a subtopic, he has you in mind. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. When most successful businesses create a new product or service, initially they started with the customer in mind. Am I right about it? They started with the customer in mind. So, so let me take a step further. Let me make it a little bit personal for you today, Reignite family. When God created the garden in his splendor, and all its splendor, things that they could eat and things that they needed to see and think, where, places where they need to relax, when God created the garden in the book of beginnings in Genesis, when he was in the creative mode, he had Adam in mind. Right? When, 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 when you and I wanted to sin and we sinned to the fullest, can I get an amen? We had ourselves in mind. But when you didn't know what you needed, when you didn't know what to, where to go and what, what, what was best for you, Christ had you in mind. 
If not careful, you can waste a whole lot of time following before you ever decide what he has in mind for you. And that's where Jesus was going that day. Why did you come? I'm not impressed. Because I want what's best. I'd imagine, I would imagine if I would use eisegesis, put my thoughts on the text, that's what Jesus was talking about. That's what he was thinking probably. I'm not impressed. I want what's best. So I want to give you an illustration, uh, a personal illustration. I didn't start out in ministry, church. I started out in ministry a long time ago, but I didn't start out in ministry wanting to be a preacher. I, I know I've, I've ran across several people that as soon as they get in church, they get saved. I've seen sports people uh, who give their lives to Christ. And right off the bat, they want a briefcase and they want to preach. I, that wasn't my story. I didn't start off. I, I ran from it for like eight years because I knew me. I didn't start off wanting to be a preacher. I started off in ministry wanting to be picked. I just wanted to be in the family. I wanted to be used of God. Um, I, was desperately, I was desperate to be a part of what God is doing. That's what I wanted, Steve. Um, so the first thing I volunteered for was the yard work. Pastor, why did you do that? Because the yard work is what was needed in the church at the time. They needed someone to plant, pull, and, and cut grass. So I said, hey, you know, I, I'll do that. I was in the Navy. I was like, I, I'll do that. I can cut grass. I don't have a green thumb, but I can plant. If someone tells me what to plant, what to plant, what to pull, you, you can mess up if you pull the wrong thing. Pull a, a plant up instead of a weed. <laughs> uh, but I, I planted before I was pushed into ministry because that's what was needed. Oh, I'm trying to help somebody. That's, that, that meant, Martina, every week I got dirty. Every week I planned on it. I'm going to get dirty. Um, but the discipline of obedience paid off. See, later on in God's faithfulness, he elevated me in the Navy to positions. And then when he elevated me in the Navy, in the, in the Navy to positions, he elevated me in, in the church to Sunday school teacher. Then I was, then I was leading children's church. Um, then I was an ordained deacon. And then, and then, I, and then and, and my Navy life paralleled it, you know, so he elevated me in the Navy and I, I started going up the ranks higher and higher. And then he started using me to, to speak to other leaders and, and develop leaders in front of people. So God had a plan before he, before he ever called me to ministry, he put me in front of people, this shy kid. God knows how to work your stuff because he knew my, the biggest thing for me was shyness. And so God started working. But that wasn't my plan. That wasn't my plan. My plan, my plan was just to be picked, just to be, just to be involved in what he's doing. And you know what? Today, down, down today, I still get dirty. It's just the role looks a little bit more uh, glamorous. But ministry is messy. Oh, man. If asked today, uh, Pastor, what do you love most about following Jesus? I would still say that I'm picked. To be a part. Man, that, that's the best thing for me. What, what do you do? I work for my father. I'm picked to be a part. And it doesn't matter what that part is. It doesn't matter, John, what that part looks like. It, it doesn't matter. I just need to know. I just need to know that I'm picked. So when it comes to our salvation, God wants all of us to know, here we, here we go, 
We're about to ramp it up here. That, that was just the opening intro. When it comes to our salvation, God wants all, whosoever will may come. He wants all to come. That's, that's, the, that's what God has in mind. He wants all to come when it comes to salvation. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. I want to say that again for somebody in this room today. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done yesterday. He wants all to come. He wants all when it comes to salvation. His salvific plan is to bring everybody into the house. Oh, oh. But when it comes to discipleship, remember he said three times, if you don't do this, you can't be what? He can't be my disciple. When it comes to discipleship, he only wants those who are willing to pay the price. My gosh. That's what I saw in the text this week. When I was having coffee with God, I thought, man, this is, this is such a contrast. When it comes to salvation, he wants everybody. Black, white, Asian, tall, strong, small, fat. All that. He wants everybody. But when it comes to being a disciple, he said, uh, no, no, you might mess my name up. He said, when it comes to discipleship, I only want those who are willing. Church, you know what I want a church full of as the, as the under shepherd under the shepherd? I want a bunch of people who are willing to be picked. Oh, pastor, you're preaching to me. I thought I will keep going. Church, I'm not, I'm not saying it's wrong to be a follower. I'm not saying it's, it's wrong to be in a small crowd or a large crowd. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if that's all you get out of it, it might be wrong. If all you get out of year after year, month after month, everybody say year after year, month after month, followship, if that's all you get out of it, then you might, you might have the wrong idea of what God has in mind for you. Mm. If you allow me, Grace, to be descriptive before I'm prescriptive, you know, the doc uh, doctors, we like to prescribe stuff to people, you know. So if you allow me to be <laughs> descriptive first, and then I'm going to prescribe some stuff to you. Let me, uh, let me understand. Let me unpack this. In verse 25 through 27, Jesus describes the process of fellowship. The process of fellowship. It's, the process is a willingness to let go of what we are most familiar with. A willingness to let go of what we are most familiar with. Remember, he said, we got to let it go, let it go. And he lists, he lists those relationships, father, mother, brother, sister. And he, he even went as far as to say, even yourself. Man, somebody needs to hear that because somebody's all full of self. He said, he said, let go of what's familiar. Man, are you willing to do that? Church family, not, not at, your, at your boy if, you, if you're willing. Y'all look like y'all scared to not because you're about to get committed. <laughs> if the majority of what you do revolves around you and your family, I'm not scared to say it, and your family, Oh, man, how many people in ministry have I run in over the years? There's, oh, my family's doing this, so therefore I'm You're not going to see me for a few months. I had, anyway, I'm not going to say that. Um, 
if everything you do, can we be real about it? If everything you do revolves around your family primarily or revolves around you primarily, if we're honest, then that's what you're committed to the most, not Christ. I love my wife, but I'm committed to Christ first. She sometimes don't like me saying that as if she's being slighted. But because I'm committed to Christ first, my love for her and my passion for her just magnified. I don't know how he does it. But I said, with or without her, and I mean that, I mean that, with or without her, whether she stays with me or whether she goes somewhere and she's with Elmer. Girl. I'm, I'm still going to need him. Some, somebody knows what I mean. Some, somebody's been there, done that, and people have left, but you still left with Jesus. Whew. Some, some, friends, some friends have left you. Some, some, some family has disowned you because you didn't loan them the money, and you are stuck with Jesus. That's the best place to be, under the rock, on the rock. The love, the love for God is in the letting go, holding, holding it loosely in your hand because you can only hold your grip for so long. It's in the willingness to let it go, let it go. The Bible says that God holds us in the palm of his hand and not in the clench of his fist because he knows how y'all are. He, he knows he sometimes don't see you in the summer. oh my gosh secondly it's a willingness to shoulder my own cross Marco could you go get that for me up there see it over there it's black like your boy could you bring it over it's a willingness to shoulder your own cross for for some of us the cross is an inconvenience can I get a can I get a 14 year old volunteer is Amani in here Amani I need a 14-year-old volunteer. Can you, can you come up here, young lady? Are you 14? Okay, you're qualified. Come on up. Marco, I'm going to need the stand too, sir. Yes, yes, thank you. All right, I'm about to say, Jesus needs you, girl. Come on, come on. <laughs> I told you. Yes, sir, just stand by. I need you to stand by too. Um, y'all know I like to use examples from time to time. It just solidifies the point. That cross is about about four foot eleven or so. For some, the cross is inconvenient, but it's manageable. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's a reminder. It's a reminder, Imani, that you need him. So I want you to carry this cross. That's what Jesus said. I know you didn't plan on that today, but I need you to walk over there, young lady. I need you to carry this cross. He says, shoulder the cross, so where you got to put it? On your shoulder. How you going to do that? Uh-uh, uh-uh, you can't help her with that. Only Jesus can help her with that cross. Ooh! I need you to put that cross on your shoulder. You got to figure out how to do it. You got to figure out what it is you're carrying. But I need you to put that cross on your shoulder, young lady. Okay? Put the cross on your shoulder. You got it. It seems heavy, huh? Not really. It's inconvenient. It's yeah, yeah. You gotta put it. On. You gotta. Put, you can't. Oh yeah, yeah. You can't. Uh uh-uh. uh. Can you? Oh, you wanna carry it like that? 
It seems inconvenient. Can we walk this way? I'm the spirit. I'm walking with her. Yes, yes, walk with you. It's inconvenient. For some, the cross is inconvenient. Come on back this way. The cross is inconvenient, but it's manageable. The cross reminds you that you need him. Oh, you can't do this alone. What is the cross? Your cross can be many things. Come on, let's walk. It's not a short walk with him. It's not summertime when we go on vacation. We keep walking with Jesus. Come on, we keep walking with Jesus, don't we, church? We keep walking with Jesus. It's a reminder. Okay, you can, you can let the cross down. You're in heaven. It's the only time you can put it away. Thank you. For some, for some, the cross is more convenient. For some, the cross is more convenient. Jesus says, you got to shoulder your cross. So I need you to shoulder your cross. And I need you to, I need you to walk with it. I need you to walk with it. It's more convenient. It doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like a hard thing to do. But the more mature you become in Christ, the cross becomes easier. And at this level, the cross is managed, the, the, the cross is convenient, but the cross is a reminder of where you've been and the things you've gone through. It's just a reminder. That's all it is. It's easy, but it's just a reminder. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. It's a reminder to be thankful. So sometimes in, in our immaturity, the cross is inconvenient. And in our maturity, the cross is convenient. But it reminds me to be thankful. It's still a weight. But I remember what he did in my marriage. You know, Tiffany and I are celebrating 30 years this December, and I remember my marriage. And, and when I look to the cross, when I think about the cross, I, I, I remember that three years into my marriage, she filed for divorce because of my arrogance. Got mad in an argument, Elmer. I told her, just go home to your mom and dad. They can tell you. I came home from work. <laughs> when I saw all the perfume off the, off the, <laughs> off the dresser, I knew she was gone. And then later on, as God started developing me in ministry, and he called me as, as, as one of his own, when he had his plans in mind, he reminded me that my passion for couples came out of my pain and my mess and became my ministry. Mm. My, my, my. When Jesus mentioned the cross, this is the thing we have to understand. When he mentioned the cross, everybody knew Whoa. Everybody knew what he was talking about. Because in the Roman culture at that day, in the Roman culture, before someone died, before someone died, Tony, they had to carry the cross. They carried the vertical beam of the cross. And, and, and they knew when Jesus said that you can have to shoulder your cross, everybody was like, whoa, what, what is he talking about? This is serious now. Pastor, this is serious. Because when, they, when you carried your cross, we didn't see you again. You are on your way to death. And so Jesus is telling this large crowd, he's not impressed. He's saying, you got to be willing to shoulder your cross. And along your walk, you got to keep dying to yourself. You got to keep dying to yourself. And what do you got to do next year in 2020? You got to die to yourself. You shouldn't look the same this year as you did last year. You got to keep dying to yourself. And is it an inconvenience? Then you're still not mature as he needs you to be yet. But it's manageable. It's manageable. You're getting there, but you got to keep dying. You got to keep dying. That's why your marriage is bad. That's why, that's, that's why it's a little strained because 
You're in the inconvenient stage. You're not in the convenient stage. You got to keep dying. You got to keep dying. Let some pride go. It can't be perfect. He's not going to be, she's not going to be what, what you have in mind. They're going to be what God has in mind for you. I'm preaching. I'm giving some pastoral counseling right here. Woo. Woo. That's what changed for us. When I stopped thinking about, oh, she's not what I have in mind right now. She's not listening. She's not acquiescing to the, that's my big word for the day. <laughs> she's not acquiescing to the process. She's not giving in to it. And then God slapped me one day and said, She's not supposed to be what you have in mind because she was made for what I had in mind for you. And thank God, because he knew I like legs. So he fashioned and made. Anyway, let me get out of our room. So when people, when Jesus mentioned the cross, they knew, man, he's serious. I don't know if that's the kind of following I want to do. I imagine people in the crowd start doing like this. <laughs> oh, man, I could just see it in my head. Carrying your cross was the idea of dying and keep dying. Um, Luke 9, 23 says, Jesus said, if any of you wants, who wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways because we have some selfish ways. Take up your cross daily. I'm not preaching from the newspaper. I said, take up your cross daily and follow me. But we just want to follow, not take up. And we wonder why things are still the same. When we surrender to the cross, the cross was surrendered to you. What do I mean by that? Before the cross, Jesus encouraged many lives. After the cross, he encouraged the world. <laughs> Am I right about it? Calvary, when he gave his life on the cross and he was concerned about the cross. You know, your Bible says that he, he prayed drops of blood. How, when's the last time you prayed and, and capillaries start busting because you were concerned about the job? You were concerned about your kid and you were concerned about those issues in life. When's the last time you prayed that hard? Prayed past five minutes. Hmm. After the cross, our mess becomes our ministry. That's what I mean. The cross was surrendered to you. What Jesus had in mind for us is what he had in mind for his disciples that day. It's the discipline of discipleship. What God has in mind for you, church, is the discipline of discipleship. You can't be a casual Christian. What would you say, Pastor? I'm going to say it again. You can't be a casual Christian. I can't be a casual Christian. So Jesus describes what a disciple is by what a disciple isn't. He said, if you're not willing to let go of some things, some things closest to you, some things you're familiar with, some things you're comfortable with, you can't be my, my disciple, bro. Sis, you can't. Um, have you ever described what something is, Maria, by what it isn't? Have y'all ever done that? Don't go to that restaurant. That, uh, let, me, let me rephrase it. Describe it by what it is, by what it isn't. You, you won't get good service over there. That's not a good restaurant. Amen? Let me, let me bring it for the guys, the, the football fans. Let me give it to you this way. Describing what is by what it isn't. Um, when, when the Cleveland Browns drafted 
uh, Baker Mayfield, my boy out of Oklahoma, number one last year. And, and I thought, man, I'm going to be a Dallas Cowboy fan and a Cleveland fan. You know, I'm going to get me a Browns shirt. I don't have one yet, but I'm going to get me a Cleveland Browns shirt. But when they drafted him last year, I didn't get all excited. You know why? Because they weren't a playoff-ready team. Because they didn't, what they weren't, they didn't have the right pieces around him. But now they got Odell Beckham because the Giants traded him away. And so I get to watch Odell do his thing for the Browns. Now they have stars around him. Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham went to college together. Can you imagine those two guys running down the field, blazing past everybody, scoring touchdowns? Y'all may become some Cleveland Brown fans too. Just saying, just saying. In verses 28 through 32, if I can hurry this up. Verses 28 through uh, 32, Jesus prescribes now. He's prescribing. He's not describing anymore. He's prescribing. The doctor's in the house. He's prescribing. He says the discipline of discipleship requires this. It requires a disciple who does certain things. Because I know y'all were wondering, what is a disciple? It requires a disciple who does certain things. And so he gave a parable of the builder and the king. And guess who those are? Those are Jesus himself. He's both the builder and the king. But he uses the resources in the building process. In, in the building process. And so Jesus is the builder. He's the king. But he's looking for resources. And he wants the best quality resources when, in the building process. He wants, he, he's the king and he's looking for the best resources for battle. See, if Jesus is the builder and the king, then he's concerned about building and battling. We're not. Oh, if I was in a seat, I would be like, Pastor, you speaking to me? The king and the builder is concerned about building and battling. Your problem is, and my problem is, sometimes we don't consider the building process. Sometimes we don't consider the battle. But that's what he's talking about. If we're not building and battling, we're fixed on following. Simple, plain and simple. If we're not concerned about building and battling, we're simply fixed on following. Yeah. That's the problem in the church of America. In North America, we have so many people are fans, <laughs> not true followers of Christ. Um, but I know some of you are like me, but pastor, I'm not good with my hands, and I'm not good with my hands either. Well, y'all know what I mean. <laughs> I'm not good with my hands, but tip will bear it, but, but beg to differ. <laughs> Girl, <laughs> um, but and I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that, though. I'm cool that I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a builder. Maybe you're like me. You're, you don't build a lot of stuff, Marshall, around your house. You know, you you're, 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 you may not fix a lot of things around your house. That, that's fine. But for me, Tiffany said, I need. I don't need you to be constructive. I just need you to be cute. So I was like, that's me. I can call somebody. Marco, come help me. My dishwasher broke. Mm. but I know how to build people up. Y'all follow me? I, I may not be good with my hands, 
but Sherry, I can build some people up. I can encourage you. I, I can relate to where you are. You know, I'm not perfect, but I can build people up. So I'm, I'm qualified, therefore, to be a builder. You know, I, I don't, and sometimes I just need a smile. I'm praying that God gives, gives me enough money to get these pearl, uh, pearl veneer, uh, porcelain veneers like my sister has. Oh my gosh, my sister has a magnetic smile, Carol. Uh, she's an encourager. She she does a lot of prayer exhortation in her church and stuff. And when she smiles, she's got two big dimples. Oh, my gosh. And she's got porcelain veneers. And I'm saying, Lord, as you build our ministry, give me some porcelain pearlies. Like, <laughs> so when we get when we're, when we're ready for TV, I'm ready. Like, <laughs> building people up, baby, building people up. Um, that's that's my goal, build people up. And Lord knows I know how to battle. Oh. I'm concerned about the sheep. You, you have an under-shepherd that will get in the battle. I will get in the battle for you. If it's, if it's late at night, I'm praying. I'm battling. I'm battling for you. I'm battling with you. I'm battling. I, I, I didn't get in this, and that's why I don't wear suits. That's one, one of the reasons why I don't wear suits anymore like I used to. Because I, I, I don't have time for the things that get in my way. I don't have time for things to get in my way. I, I need to remind myself I need to be casual. I need to become, I don't need to be casual so that I, I, I just look good. I want to be uncomfortably usable for battle. For battle. I'm ready to battle. I'll get in the fight. I consider myself one of the most faithful, loyal friends that he'll ever have. That's how I feel about my God. I'm the most loyal. And sometimes these discipline of discipleship requires secondly first it requires a disciple to do certain things lastly it requires a disciple to understand certain things you have to understand and consider the cost the cost of building the cost of battling you may lose some friends you would look foolish in the end when they marry house Jesus isn't concerned about marriages and houses and stuff like that but you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying you look foolish starting some things that you didn't that you didn't plan to finish I'm gonna, if I'm gonna pastor you and I talk to you about premarital counseling things of that nature this thing I'm gonna tell you right off the rip is consider the cost consider the cost of what you're about to do as we're looking I told you at the beginning of the year for our our next church move will be in the next 12 to 24 months and I've been looking at some stuff this week man but you know what I'm doing considering the cost I don't know how much they're going to keep giving but either I'm going to be eating ramen noodles or we're going to be in a nice facility but I'm considering the cost what's disruptive for us is the cost forces us to make a decision forces you to make a decision if you're going to consider the cost and, and this is something you might want to jot down or put on Facebook, social media as we continue to grow you have to consider the momentum requires movement our momentum when the pendulum swings we have to swing with it as growth comes you know, everybody can't be in the sanctuary 
Somebody needs to be rotating in the children's church. That's why we put the messages up Sunday so you can get the message. Somebody needs to be with the kids. We have like two people rotating in the kids. We wearing them out in the nursery. Somebody needs to rotate in the kids. My job, because I was abused in ministry, is to make sure that every area is taken care of and that you don't get abused. You're not stuck in there all the time. You're not stuck doing the coffee. You're not stuck greeting. Well, I want certain people to greet up there, but you may be stuck up there. Y'all get the point. With momentum, with momentum as we grow, everybody can't be comfortable in here. Sometimes you may have to come in, love, hug, shake, talk to pastor for a minute, get your coffee, and then go in the parking lot. Yeah, I said that. You like parking lot? Yeah, we're going to have a parking lot ministry on Easter. On Easter, I need two or three guys to come in. I have vests picked out, and I need you as we as we rebrand, rebrand and we put the flags out there, the new the new uh, Tiffany blue-like flags um, and, our, and our new signage around the building. I, ne- I need you to come out, uh, a couple of guys, and I need you to be waving as people drive by. I need you to direct them this way, this way to the church, this way to the church, and watch what God do, what, what he does, because I already see it, church. I told you in January, he's on the move, and we got to start moving. We got to start growing. Y'all get the push notifications. I send out intentionally. I don't just send out random stuff just to send out stuff. I'm not about meeting just to meet or whatever. But I told you, I said, you know, hey, we got a couple things coming up. We need people in the nursery. We need people reignite kids. Let me tell you how reignite kids works. I'm I'm doing a shameless plug. Reignite kids, we have a program called Share Faith where you sit there and and, um, Tiffany takes the year's schedule and I need to take that off of her. She looks at the schedule for the year. Y'all follow me? The schedule is already planned out. And we go back there, we set up, and we, we, we hit play on the smart board, and it shows the video for the kids to watch the, the, the lesson. And then they, they, they read over something, a little story with the kids. It's already planned out. All you got to do is familiarize yourself with it. It's already done. The work is done. And they give the kids some candy. And then you rotate out, maybe four to six weeks out, and then you rotate back in and do your Sunday again. That's how the system works for us in Reignite Kids. The Reignite Nursery works as just us hugging and loving on the babies. And then you rotate out, and you come back in there three, four weeks later, and then you listen to the message online. In the parking lot, you start off out there. But at 10, at 10, you come in here. Those are the areas of need. As we rebrand on Easter Sunday, we want to do it big. Y'all follow me? With growth, with, mo- with, with momentum, movement's got to happen. Mo- momentum's got to have movement. I believe that's what God has in mind for us to decide certain things. If you're thinking, Pastor, I can't do that, well, I, I, I'll tell you. <laughs> i tell you what I can do. Pastor, I can't do that. I, I can't do that. I like the messages too much. i tell you what I can do. And I can pray that God disrupts your life. <clears throat> I can pray that God disrupts your life. Disrupt their plans, Lord. Disrupt their plans. Disrupt their plans. 
Let them be a part of the process. That's what I'm praying. So until you step up, whoever you are, <laughs> I'm saying as a blanket, as a church, Lord, disrupt our plans. Some, some need to hug me in the beginning, and then I need to see you serving. I love you. Y'all believe that? Okay, okay. Let me get off that pedestal. Everybody needs to find a place to serve. God is moving here. Momentum, momentum requires us to move into position and move into action. Sometimes to see what's for you requires you to get self out of the way. I believe you're who God has in mind. When, he, when John penned, when, when John put pen to parchment that day, pen to parchment, I believe he had you in mind. Jesus speaking to the large crowd. They're not impressed because they were just following. They were content with following. Um, during the funeral of Whitney Houston, and I'm closing. During the funeral of Whitney Houston, Kevin Costner gave one of the most powerful reflections of her life. He said as he was holding auditions for the movie The Bodyguard. Y'all seen The Bodyguard? He had Whitney in mind. Yeah, yeah, he had Whitney in mind. But during the audition, Whitney kept messing up and missing her lines. Yeah. Whitney began to sweat profusely during the auditions. Whitney's makeup started running all over her face. And y'all heard her sing before. Y'all you remember seeing the beads on her nose and stuff? She was sweating. She, she began to sweat and her makeup began to run and, 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 and she kept asking, can I get permission to start over? She was messing up. And, and Costner said at her funeral, she, he said, I let her sweat. I let her makeup run. I let her start over because I already had her in mind. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes you you feel like you can't serve you can't do whatever you can't get involved because you're new you don't know enough bible you 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 keep messing up and and you might mess it up that you 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 might you God is saying to you you don't have to be you don't have to worry about your part to play you don't have to you it doesn't matter if you're afraid it doesn't matter if you're unqualified yeah it doesn't matter if you mess up the first time or, or, or over and over because you were picked and he has you in mind. And so he'll let you do it as long as you do it. Yeah, that's, that's for somebody. He'll let you do it. And I propose to you, Jesus is looking for those who are willing today. He's looking for those who are willing serve. Those who are willing to do more than just be content with following. That's the problem with the church. That's the problem with the church. Not our church, but the, the church. Who's willing? See, I may not be qualified to do everything, but the thing that had me in the yard 
the thing that had me in front of others giving the leadership uh, trainings was I was willing to do it. Had me teaching Sunday school, I was willing to do it. When I lost my Sunday school teacher and the pastor looked at me and said, hey, we're going to have nobody teach your class. I didn't say, well, I guess we won't have no class. I said, I'll get the, I'll get the book. I never, I never led anything. The first thing I led was a Sunday school class. Look at me now. What God will do. What God will do. I'm not bragging. Just, just talking from my heart who's willing. Man, what I found, the more willing I was, the more he began to perfect things. Yeah, and the easier it got. And the easier it got. You want to see your marriage take off? You want to see your, your life just, just blossom? You want to see your health get better? You want to see your relationships get better? You want to see, I'm, I'm speaking prophetic right now. If you want to see things happen in your life where you get the where you, where you get like me blessed with, to have an opportunity to go to school and everything is paid for. Everything. I can't explain it. It was God. I was just willing. I started out serving. I, just, I was just willing. In my mind, I'm still cutting grass. That's the first thing I did. I'm still getting dirty, planting. I was willing. Would you stand to your feet? Would you stand to your feet? I want to ask you this morning one simple question. One simple question. I don't want you to close your eyes just yet. I don't want you to bow your head. I want you to look straight up here at your pastor. Scan over here. <laughs> what are you willing to do? What are you willing to do for him, not for me? So if you do it for me, then I have to constantly call you and text you. Hey, you coming? Are you singing today? Are you? Are, are you, do I have to put on my vest and wave at the people out there and then run back in here, get some water and preach, hold the baby, and then and then come up here and preach? You know, I've helped my grandbaby up here before in worship. I'll preach with her if I have to. But if I'm preaching with my grandbaby, guess what? Mamas, daddies, you'll be preaching. I mean, you'll be, you'll be preaching. You'll, <laughs> you'll be worshiping with your grandbaby and baby. looked at the crowd that day and he saw and y'all are a beautiful crowd we got a nice crowd oh my gosh <laughs> he was concerned about your hearts because he 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 knew the faces meant meant something to everybody else but when he saw you he looked in your hearts and he's like son they're just here to follow me they're just following set in your spirit and I'm going to close with prayer I'm not going to have an altar call for people to come up and pray about you don't need to pray about serving God you just need to do it it's a willingness 
It's a willingness. And that's between you and him. So I don't want you to move. I just want you to meditate as we pray. Father, you know the hearts of your people. You know the hearts of your under-shepherds. And so as we tried to encourage and we tried to motivate today, we ask that you give us understanding for what was said today and consider where you have us to serve and consider what you have us to say as we leave this place to others, as we encourage them during March Gladness and bless them with an opportunity to let them know that God loves them. Father, speak to your people, encourage your people this week. Thank you for the, those that you've put here as a family. Help us to reignite love for God, love for all, and love for, for community. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.